Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 43 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, I really don't make any bones about the fact that I would not be able to homeschool and podcast if I did not have some help with my housekeeping. I have a girl who comes a couple of times a month and helps me keep my head above the water on the big things like the floors and the bathrooms. But that's really only been within the past year or so that that has happened. And I realized that a lot of other people don't have that luxury. And so many people are really struggling to balance homeschooling and housework. And I have to be honest with you, even with having somebody come in to help, it still feels like I'm struggling with homeschooling and housework many, many days around here. How do you strike a balance between the attention that you need to give your children and their education and all of the things that need to be happening in a home that quite honestly is lived in every single day and therefore stays a little messier than the home of the family whose kids go to school and everybody goes to work. It's a constant struggle. And so today we have Tanya Lyons on to talk to us. She actually writes a lot about the balance between housekeeping and homeschooling on her blog. And she has some really great simple tips for letting go of perfectionism and building a few small habits to help you get some of the chaos under control. So we're going to talk about Tanya's homeschool, and we're going to talk a little bit about keeping our head above water on today's episode of the podcast. Tanya Lyons has been homeschooling since her daughter, now a seventh grader, was a preschooler. She knows firsthand how easy it is for homeschool moms to find themselves out of balance, consumed by homeschooling overwhelmed with housework, and unable to find any personal time at all. At her blog, Happy Homeschool Nest, Tanya offers encouragement and resources for moms looking to restore that balance. She writes about tackling housework, finding time for home-cooked meals, and managing a peaceful and healthy home. Tanya is joining us on the podcast today to talk about this balance between homeschooling and household management. Tanya, welcome to the program. Hi, it's nice to be here. Well, let's start with you telling me just a little bit about your family. Okay. I'm married to my husband, Nick. We live in Canada and we have one daughter. She's almost 13 and crazy beagle who loves to keep us occupied. Oh, wow. Okay. So how did you get started homeschooling? What made you decide to do this? Well, my husband's schedule, he works at a, as a janitor at a school, but he works second shift. So he doesn't leave until one or two. So we realized when our daughter was young that she wouldn't see him at all during the week if she were in school because he'd be going to work when she was coming home. And And we had talked about homeschooling and we were at the library one day and I found a copy of The Well-Trained Mind and that was it. I found that and that was like my homeschool Bible. Oh, wow. Isn't it amazing how Yeah, I can remember like stumbling on my first glimpse. I think for me, it was like Calvert and then that moved quickly to sunlight and then the well-trained mind. And I was like, wow, I had no idea any of this stuff existed out there that people were actually doing this at home. Isn't it amazing how that works? It is. I did have some experience. We worked at a Christian school, an ACE school. So I knew 
people could use materials, but I'd never seen anything but the box curriculum, like a Becca and mm-hmm. ACE. So when I found the well-trained mind, it was a whole new world, knowing that you could homeschool, but you didn't have to use a box. Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet. And I love that, you know, your very first reason for looking at homeschooling was that it was going to fit so well with your family's schedule. I never considered the fact that, you know, if you have somebody who's working second shift like that, it's your kids are just never going to see a parent. So that's Mm -hmm. that's interesting. Okay, Tanya, so I'm going to start with one of my favorite questions. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? I would say Gone with the Wind. I loved that book as a teenager. I don't know why, but I did. And now my daughter, her favorite thing to do is to disappear whenever I say she can have a break. And it's so hard to find her. So she is my Gone with the Wind child. Oh, I love that. That is awesome. And that book has one of my favorite opening lines ever. The Scarlet O'Hara was not beautiful. And I think Uh that's just a great way to capture you in. So good choice. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I could see that about teenage girls. Yes, I loved Oh, the movie. That was my favorite. I loved all that. Yeah. Well, really neat. Well, what is the best piece of homeschooling advice that you received as a new homeschooling mom? Oh, the best would be to relax and not do too much. But honestly, I didn't listen. (laughs) I wish I had. (laughs) We did way too much. Oh, history, you know, story of the world and adding 10 million books and 10 million projects. And we burnt out. And but I should have listened to the person who told me to relax and not try to do so much at once in first grade, because my daughter doesn't remember any of it, except the fruit mummy we made, I think is the only thing. Okay. And so you actually, our fruit mummies lived in our oven for a few days and then we just tossed them. Oh, we still have ours. (laughs) Oh, I couldn't. No, I never would have made a a mummy maker. It was just, it smelled bad and I threw it away. (laughs) Oh, really? Ours came out great. We didn't do the chicken. I could not, could not handle that, but we did, we did fruit in common and yes, Uh, an orange and an apple. I can't remember now. He's all wrapped up in his sarcophagus somewhere on a bookshelf. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I told my kids, I said, next cycle through, we're doing the Barbie doll and we're just leaving it. Oh, yeah. We burnt out. We don't do many projects anymore because we just did too many. Well, what what piece of advice do you wish you had received? Hmm. Hmm, I got to think about this one too. Oh, for middle school. I'm in the middle school stage now. And I don't know many people with other homeschoolers with middle schoolers that are further along that could offer advice. But I would say now that during these years, I wish somebody had been able to tell me that sometimes you have to put the books away and focus on the relationship. Oh, yeah, that's really good. I like there's something about those years in the middle. They're getting older. They're going to be leaving the nest. I mean, she's not even I mean, she's in seventh grade now, but that stage of, of life becoming a woman and and just nurturing that relationship with your daughter or with your son, even. Right. I wish somebody had been there to tell me that. We're going through it and it's great, but that's the advice I would have loved to hear. Sometimes, you know, you're going to have to set the books aside and focus on that relationship. Yeah, that's awesome. So if you could have one homeschool guru over for dinner, who do you invite? I would invite Jesse Weiss, the co author of The Well Trained Mind, because I know. She was very focused on academics, but I mean, Susan Weisbauer, obviously, is professor and all of that, but her other children aren't these super academic types. And my daughter isn't either as much as I thought she would be. She would rather 
watch YouTube and dance and do art than sit down and read a good book. <laughs> so I would love to sit down and chat with her about alternatives to the super academic route. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't think about that because you do think about Susan, you know, being such an, you know, really immersing herself in that world of academia. But there were more kids in that family and they did choose different paths. And I think that's just a good reminder for us that even if we're trying to have a real, maybe even using, I know we don't always like to use the word rigorous, but maybe an academically focused homeschool, we don't always end up with kids who are going to end up in those academic circles for a career or something like that. We've got all different kinds of kids. Exactly. Yeah. I'm still learning that. My daughter, she loves to listen to books, but she, I'm in that group of homeschoolers that we don't like to tell people our kid doesn't like to read, (laughs) but she doesn't, but she loves books, but she doesn't want to sit and read them herself. So, well, you know, it's funny. I have one I have my oldest girl is actually very much like that. And she will read and, you know, she's she'll pick up a book and she'll read it. But she really does prefer to listen to them on audiobook. And she's very, quote unquote, well read. But, you know, she really does prefer to just listen to a good book. She loves stories. She loves to write her own stories. She loves to do the YouTube thing and dance and do art. So it sounds like we got two girls who would probably get along really well together. I bet they would. Yes. Yeah. So I know where you're coming from. Well, so speaking of teaching a child who, you know, is not going to end up in academia one day, what do you think is a really good, important skill for her to learn before she grows up and leaves your home? I think that you still need to teach the academics, of course, but teaching them that learning is still a lifelong endeavor to always, you know, even if she's not going to read, she can listen to audiobooks. She can continue to write or draw or pursue whatever interests she has. Just that learning doesn't really stop when you get your diploma. And it's important to continue to learn and to grow as a person. Yeah. So as you sit down and you work on your academic year, are you a planner or do you more fly by the seat of your pants? I plan in the big picture. So during the week, we can have more time to fly by the seat of our pants but I know where we're going. (laughs) Okay. What do you think your daughter would say is the best part of being homeschooled? Her five minute dance breaks. (laughs) How many of those does she get a day? Just out of curiosity. Oh, um, every 30 minutes or so. Yeah. She was the child who would be doing a page of math and just all of a sudden she'd be falling off her chair onto the floor. Even just last year in sixth grade, she's, I think this is the first year she's actually stayed in her seat. (laughs) So yeah, she needs lots of time to get the wiggles out, I guess. Okay. So do you put on music for these dance breaks or is it? Yes. 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 Right now she's going through Gem and the Holograms phase. We found, I used to love that show and we found the DVDs and she puts those in and she has her dance breaks to Gem and the Holograms. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so what would she say is the worst part about being homeschooled? Hmm. I think right now she's not loving history. We're trying something new and a little more independent, and that's stretching her a little bit. She's used to working with me, and I'm trying to push a little more independence this year, and yeah. she's struggling with that. I am actually working on that. So, you know, my Wiggly artistic girl is my oldest as well. And, you know, she's moving, she's in sixth grade this year. And Mm -hmm. we're trying to move to that 
kind of more independence. And so how has that transition been for you guys, especially given the situation that you have an only child? Has it been a difficult transition for you? It has because I've, for me, mostly because I, I'm sort of an all or nothing. I'll be like, okay, you can just take this and do it instead of helping transition to doing something independently. I would just toss her a book and tell her, here you go. This year we have, we switched to Apologia Science and that's a, a new a textbook approach for her as a new thing. And I just gave her the book and told her to have fun. And I didn't really transition to doing that independently. So now four modules in, we have to step back a little and sit and read it together and build back up to the independence. So it, it's a bumpy transition, but I can see progress. So that's always a good thing. Yeah. Now, have you listened to Susan Weisbauer has a great talk on teaching your kids to be independent, where she kind of breaks down each of the kind of stages of independence that she's broken out and talks about what to do in each stage and how much help the kids need in each one. Have you listened to that talk? I have. That is a fabulous talk that at the elbow parent and yes. in, in the room parent. Yes, it's very, very good. I would encourage anybody with middle school children, especially to buy that and listen to it over and over and take notes because every year you have to do a little bit more. You start out with a little bit of independence, maybe one subject or two. And then we're in the stage now where we have a daily meeting and she gets her assignments and we work on things together. And then she takes her agenda and does her work. So hopefully we'll transition in a year or so to a weekly meeting where I check in with her. By high school, I'd like to be at that point. <laughs> we'll see. Right, right. And, you know, so much of this is dependent upon kids' personalities, too. I mean, I have friends who have, like, especially firstborn girl children who have always been really anxious to please and very kind of academically minded. And it's funny because, you know, one friend finally had a second child who was a little more like my first. And she came back to me and she apologized. She's like, I never understood your struggles or it just seemed to me like you never could get it together with your kid. And she says, and now that my second one's come along, I understand. And so I think so much is dependent upon their personality. So I think that's why homeschooling is really great is we can really, you know, tailor it to their needs. You know, if you don't have a child who's ready for you to throw the Apologia book at them, then you just step back and figure out what they do need to work them up to that point. Exactly. Yes, I was the academic child and my daughter is not. She's the let's have fun and dance and draw in our science book. <laughs> and so I have to, yes, I have to step back and look at it from her perspective and what she needs. And she loves the sit on the couch and read it together time, even still in seventh grade. So it's still, it's a process. Every year is another process. Yeah, most definitely. Well, let's talk about homeschool moms and balance. Why do you think it's so easy for homeschool moms to get out of balance? I know for me, at least when we made the decision, it was that all or nothing. I jumped right in and that was my focus. I spent all of my time, you know, with the rainbow resource catalog and, and all of the books and the choices and mapping out everything to high school when my daughter was three. <laughs> so it's very easy to just slip into focusing in that one area. And then you start doing it and you realize it takes a lot of time and and eventually, I mean, a lot of people, that's when you start to face the burnout when even when your kids are so young, because you've tried to do too much and you focused so much on this one area that to the detriment of everything else in your life almost. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I think it takes a lot of times, you know, obviously not in every single case, but it takes a certain personality to homeschool. And I think a lot of homeschool moms are that personality that if they're going to do something, they want to do it right. They want to do it really, really well. And so they throw themselves into it wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which isn't a bad thing, but it needs balance like anything else. Most definitely. And I think too, if not the homeschooling itself, the planning of homeschooling is a lot more fun than, say, doing the laundry or the dishes or keeping the floor clean. <laughs> oh, oh, de- definitely. Yes. And then, of course, you know, you have your perfect plan and then you try to bring it to your child who is not the perfect child and you have to re- revamp the plan. And yes, instead of trying to just work with a child you have. <laughs> instead of your perfect schedule, which is not going to work anyway, probably three weeks into the year, you'll have to throw it away. So so always being flexible. Oh, yes, definitely. Yes. Okay. So if I'm totally overwhelmed with homeschooling, maybe I've made this great plan and it's not really working. And so I'm having to step back and revamp and work with the children I have. I'm totally overwhelmed with this and keeping up with the house. I know that you actually have a few tips. So what are some baby steps that you recommend for moms who are trying to keep this homeschool ball juggling, but also keep house as well? Okay. For the homeschool side, I would say you need to set goals, not a bunch of them, but for each child, if there were two things that they accomplished this year that would make you the proudest mom in the world, like if they learned their multiplication facts and they could write the alphabet, things like that. If your child can achieve that, in a year, that's your goal. So if you have one of those days or weeks where things just aren't working and you have to chuck out the schedule, focus on those things that you want your child to achieve this year and you'll feel successful. That's, that's what you're aiming for with homeschooling. Everything, you've got plenty of time to do everything, but focus on those one or two things for each child. And for your home, the two areas I like to start with, I like to do habits. I, if I can turn something into a habit, then it's easier to manage because I don't like to clean the house. It's always messy when you're home all the time. So I try to keep my kitchen counters and the sink clean. And I try to wipe down the bathroom every day. So if somebody pops in, it might be messy, but it doesn't look that bad (laughs) if they go in the bathroom or the kitchen, because at least looks a little bit organized and clean in those spaces. Okay. So you say you make these habits. So you've kind of Mm -hmm. tied the process of maybe there's a specific time during the day that you wipe down the bathroom and a specific time that you keep the kitchen counter clean? Yes. In the mornings when I'm in the bathroom taking my shower, I grab a paper towel and I spray it with some cleaner. I wipe down the sink and the counter and then I use it to wipe down the outside of the toilet. And I have a a little toilet brush bucket with cleaning fluid in it and the toilet brush sits right in that so I can swish out the inside of the toilet. And when I'm in the shower, I keep a Mr. Clean magic eraser in there so I can swipe down the shower. So it always looks clean. It's never grungy and gross. It's just, it stays clean because it's just a daily habit. When I'm in there getting ready, I'm just cleaning the bathroom as I go. And the same for the kitchen. I do that one at night. I try to never leave dirty dishes in the sink at night. Everything has to be washed and put away and counters cleared. So when I get up in the morning, I'm not facing this pile of mess that I have to clean up before I can even start my day. Yeah, we find that if we get like the school table put away in the evening, put all of the things away that's kind of gotten scattered about during Mm -hmm. our school day, 
that yeah, then, we call that our 10 minute tidy at the end of the school day. Everybody has 10 minutes in a basket. Go around and clean up your mess. <laughs> okay, great. That's a wonderful idea. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so what about the laundry? Do you have any tips for the laundry? I try to do it all in one day. If I know I'm going to be home one day a week with no big activities, then everything just gets tossed on the bathroom floor and we get all of the laundry done in the day. So, but there's just three of us, so we don't have a ton of laundry. I guess we're lucky that way. <laughs> right. Not a ton of kids in the house, so we can usually keep up with it once a week. Okay, so, so we're kind of the opposite. I do a load a day every day except for Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tuesday we're at co-op, so you know, we're gone all day long. But the other days of the week, I usually try to have a load going, and if I can get it out, And this is, you know, obviously pie in the sky dreams because my load is still in the washer right now, I think. If I can get it out by right after lunchtime, I can have the kids help me fold it and put it away and we're done for the day. Mm -hmm. You see, that's one of the things I think is so important is getting your kids involved. I'm a perfectionist and it's so easy for me just to say, let me do it. Even to my husband, I go and I rearrange the dishwasher or things I and I need to let go all the time of that perfectionist habit. Because the house isn't just mine. It's everybody, It's the family home. So the family needs to be involved in taking care of it. Do you think that perfectionism is one of the things that really causes a homeschool mom to get out of balance? Oh, definitely. Yes. We, I mean, we want to make that perfect homeschool schedule. So we focus on that and we just get off balance. And then it's easier to ignore the housework as it piles up. But I think one of the first things you need to do is step back and say, while the kids are home, things are not going to be perfect. I mean, maybe if they were in school all day, you'd have more time for all of the cleaning and all of those things. But with kids home, you've got to deal with the, this is good enough for now and move on and let go of the perfectionist tendency. Yeah. I think that's one of those things that really kind of causes us a lot of problems in a lot of different areas. Let's talk about getting the kids involved because I think there's no way that one person can do everything, you know, that needs to be done to keep a homeschool and a home going. So do you have any tips for age appropriate Mm -hmm. chores and getting them going in the right direction? Yes, I agree that kids need to be involved. I think husbands need to be involved too. When a a wife decides to take on the responsibility to homeschool the kids, that's that's a full-time job. And you might be home, yes, so you can do a little more than your husband can, but everybody lives there. Everybody should be pitching in and the kids definitely. You want them to learn these skills. You want them to be adults someday that know how to take care of a home. And that's the way you teach them is just practical every day. We keep a a chore chart on the fridge with the things I like to cover every week, like sweeping and mopping the floors and wiping down the bathroom or the stairs. And every day, everybody picks a chore from the list, even my husband. And that's all we have to do. Somebody, you've got to check off one chore every day. And then when the whole thing is done, we wipe it off and we start over. So things are always at least good enough, might not be perfect, but it's good enough and clean enough that I'm not cringing when my mother-in-law comes in the door. Oh, I love this. So you're kind of loop scheduling your house cleaning. Yes. Uh, Yeah, yeah, very much so. And then I love the fact, so do, okay, so if I come up to the chore list, do I have to pick the next thing on the list, even if I hate it? Or can I skip it and go do something I like? You can do whatever you want. I don't make anybody choose. I do try to make sure my daughter is doing different chores so she learns how to do everything. But 
I figure it should be at least a little enjoyable. (laughs) I know nobody really wants to do housework. But yeah, we all sort of gravitate to certain things, but I do try to balance it out. So we all get a chance to do different things. So what about the everyday things like keeping the kitchen clean? Because obviously that can't go on some kind of loop schedule list. You know, the kitchen has to be Mm -hmm. cleaned daily. Actually, in our house, three times a day, it has to be clean in your house too. So what do you do about those chores? Is your daughter assigned specific chores at at different times or how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Kitchen and bathroom are separate from our daily chore list. She empties the dishwasher every morning and we've just started, I've just started having her load the dishwasher. That's me letting go of that perfectionism, trying to fit it all in there. So she takes care of that in the morning while I'm doing wiping down the bathroom. And then at night it's everybody pitches in. That's when usually somebody is picking a chore and I will finish cleaning up the kitchen. So that covers those two areas that, and then the rest of the the daily weekly stuff goes on our chore chart for the week. Okay. And so you've said a number of times about teaching kids these skills. So obviously you would never look at your daughter and say, hey, I want you to go iron your dad's shirts. And this is the first time she's ever done this and you just turn her loose with it. Or even something as simple as, uh, go dust the furniture. You know, if you look at a seven-year-old and say, go dust the furniture, they're not really going to know how to do that and do it well. So how do you you train a child to... Just like with teaching independence, you have to... I've done that. I have handed her the the duster and said to go dust and come back and found nothing dusted. So I had to step back and show her how to do it. But it's like teaching independence. You start with the basics, you show them, you'll probably have to show them a few times. And this is another instance where I think we have to let go of our perfectionism and say the job is good enough. I mean, unless they're obviously just, you know, flicking it a little with the dust rag and calling it good. But if they're putting in an honest effort, then we have to say good job and check it off the list, even if it's not as perfect as we would have done it ourselves. I can't believe you have a child who would flick the dust rag. (laughs) (laughs) I was not that child. I was that studious first girl, you know, so I would take everything off the shelf and wipe down the shelf. And yes, so it's a big change to see my daughter and and know that that was my chore and she doesn't do very well. (laughs) You should give that chore over to a nine-year-old boy and then start. (laughs) Yeah, that cuts the perfectionism really quickly. It does. I'm learning all the time to let go. Just it's, it's good enough. Time to move on. Okay. So how do you prioritize? Is there ever a time when, you know, we just need to let something go? I think there's always seasons of life, especially with homeschooling. It's not like we're a teacher in a school where we're always going to have second graders every year. Every year we have new ages, new books, new activities. Just I found there's certain seasons, some seasons we were home more often and able to do more deep cleaning. And now we're at a different stage where I've got to, I've had to reorganize our schedule and think of different ways to do things. So there's always going to be things you're going to have to put on the back burner at certain points. And then hopefully you'll have time to pick that up and put something else on the back burner at another point. It's just a matter of I guess I would choose the things that are bothering me the most to tackle and let other things go. You know, it's funny. Yeah, just hearing you say that, sometimes my guests say things that are so profound. Actually, they do all the time, but it just really makes me think, wow, that's so right. Because we get stuck in a situation and we're like, oh, this frustrates me so much that I, you know, I can't get to X or I have to do Y. And 
we kind of get stuck in the idea that it's going to be like that forever, but it's really not, is it? You know, there's just, there's always going to be seasons of life, whatever stage your children is at now, they're not going to always be in that place. And you'll have new situations and new things you've got to learn to handle all over again. Yeah. And some things will get better and some things will get worse and, Mm -hmm. you know, and one day they'll be gone. So yeah. Tanya, are you ready for the fast five? I think so. (laughs) Okay. So this is like, say the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? So what's one thing in your Amazon cart right now? Oh, the new copy of The Well-Trained Mind. Your favorite family read aloud ever. Oh, definitely The Hobbit. We love that book. Best field trip you've ever taken. Oh, I would have to say my sister's house. We go visit family and she's got a farm with goats and chickens and horses. So that's like our our big petting zoo. Okay. What are you reading right now? I'm reading um, Father Brown. I just found it on Netflix and I had to order the book. So I just started reading that last night. Oh, those are some good ones. Mm -hmm. All right. Last one. I have got to have blank to get me through the day. Chocolate. Definitely chocolate. Dark chocolate with sea salt. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Okay, Tanya, tell everybody where they can find you online. You can find me at happyhomeschoolnest.com. And across all social media? Yes. Awesome. Well, we will link to Tanya's social media accounts and Happy Homeschool Nest in the show notes for this episode. And thank you so much for joining me. It was a lot of fun. Oh, I had such a good time. Thank you. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of the resources or books that Tanya and I spoke about today and to her blog where she writes about setting up those simple homemaking habits, you can find those in the show notes for this episode. Those are at pambarnhill.com forward slash HSP 43. And we'll get you hooked up to all of those great links over there. Also on the show notes for this episode of the podcast are instructions on how to leave a rating or review for the Homeschool Snapshots podcast in iTunes. We love it when you do that because it helps us get the word out about the podcast to new listeners. So thanks very much if you've taken the time to do it. We'll be back again in another couple of weeks with another great guest on the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. Until then, keep on homeschooling. Homeschooling.